Thank you for joining with us for another episode of Morning Briefings here on the Pipeline Intercession for the President and on our podcast. If you have any dreams that you have about the office of the president, please send them to pip at christiancentershreveport.com. We're so thankful that you all have joined in with us on this prayer journey, and we look forward to standing with you not only today, but in the days ahead. So with that, we'll go ahead and join today's broadcast as we talk about the news and stand on the wall for this nation and the office of the president. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Zach Arsgadian coming to you live from North Carolina. And we have some great news to talk about today. And we want to continue our journey of going through the prayer points in the Future War of the Church book in Dethroning the Thrones of Iniquity from Chuck Pierce. Uh, if you could see this here, and for those watching or listening via podcast, uh, that's the title of the book again is, is The Future War of the Church, um, How We Can Detect Lawlessness and Bring God's Order to the Earth and in Accordance to uh, Thy Will Be Done on, on Earth as It Is in Heaven. And so today we want to look in Second Kings 22 uh, in the story of Josiah in the in his succession of Ammon, his father, and then really in the story about him finding, as he's going through the temple, the lost books, and then tearing down the idols, and really walking out his kingship in accordance to the, what he found um, from reading the actual laws, the Torah, in his time, and finding out what uh, his father's and fathers, fathers, and, and forefathers had done, and not living out and walking out accordingly to what the scripture and the law tells us. And he was rewarded for that faithfulness, um, but in ultimately there was still a judgment coming upon Israel. But I think it shows um, some things, and Chuck points out here, he says in this, he says, we are in a, a Josiah season, and obviously when he wrote this, um, times were a little bit different, but you could still say we are in that shifting season. And, and he goes on to continue to say, he says, um, when Josiah began to make repairs to the temple, the high priest Hilkiah found a book of the law, which was then brought and read to Josiah. After hearing the reading of the law, Josiah realized that there were problems in the land because of his forefathers had not followed God's law. And then ultimately for us personally, it's to, he says here, to ask the Holy Spirit to identify any area where you are not following God's law. And it's interesting, we see this, uh, and I want to also point this out. Because in this season where leadership and really the body of Christ, and this speaks more to the body of Christ than anything, uh, not just natural law, um, but more specifically with what we're seeing coming out of pastors in attacking people like uh, Herschel Walker, just complete derogatory, um, defamatory statements, and also extremely hypocritical. But that's besides the point, is is we, we see this story in Second Kings 22, but I want to point out this in um, Proverbs 29. It says this. It says in verse 18, it says, Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, or the people perish, it is um, I think the King James Version. And it says, But happy is he who keeps the law. 
And I think that's a foundational moment of we're getting in and we're, we, we're still coming out of a season where you're seeing a shift in the body of Christ. And this may sound profound, but it's really not, and it's sad, is that just like Josiah's, you're having a lot of pastors um, and a lot of leaders and believers, individual believers themselves, because they're finally reading the Bible, they're seeing what the law actually says. And it's awaken it's an awakening happening where people are realizing, oh, this is what the Bible actually says. There are those who are continuing to ignore it, but there are more so more people waking up to what Scripture and the law actually says. And here we see, but happy is he who keeps the law, not out of a religious standpoint, but because of his heart voluntarily wants to do it. So as we're seeing some things change here in this earth, um, as people are awakening to it, you're also seeing a a season of shifting happening. And this goes back to really 2008, 2009, and 2007, you could really say, when you have the, the shift in politicians, multiple, multiple politicians, and it actually flows into today of some things happening, of, of change. And what's happening because of this change, there's a chasm. Um, there's a there's a dividing line occurring and rising up that people are having to decide where they stand. Do they stand with God? Do they stand against God? Are they sheep? Are they goat? Are they for him? Are they against him? Are they hot? Are they cold? Are they lukewarm? This definitions and words coming directly from the Bible. Now, with that, I want to dive into the news and understanding and seeing with this shifting season that we're in, some things that are coming out. Um, I see someone wrote uh, 70% of the votes show are in Israel. Um, that is true. There's actually some reports that are showing 80% of the votes have been counted and therefore Netanyahu. Um, Jerusalem Post is actually showing 85.9, um, 86%. So things are progressing really fast in Israel. There is some possible disputes in the north with the Arab vote of possibility of ballot stuffing to get more um, Arab seats within the Knesset. But at the end of the day, what it looks like right now is Netanyahu will and his coalition, how Israel does it is a little bit, a lot different than how we do it, is you vote for a party and how many percentages of parties they get, and then they join. If they don't get enough seats, then they have to join a coalition with the other parties. And so what it's coming out to be is most likely the f final outcome, unless something significantly changes, is that um, Netanyahu and his group will get 65 seats, and then you have the left getting 45 and the Arabs getting 10. Now within Netanyahu's group is like three or four different parties. Um, so there's a lot that's going on, and there's most likely going to be a recount, which will take probably another day or two. Um, but the reality is is it looks, with all intents and purposes, that Netanyahu will win um, this next election. Now, you could say, well, this is the fifth election in four years. How come they finally decided to actually vote for Netanyahu? Well, obviously a lot has changed. You have the COVID policies. You have... Um, really just uh, the 
backing down and the lack of leadership from the two prime minister coalition that just it was an utter failure um, at the time of when it was tried. But what you're seeing is the reason Netanyahu won, the sole reason was because, and I pointed this out yesterday, and this was huge, is even early on in the first couple hours, you had like 30% of the vote of those who were registered to vote actually go out and vote. That was huge then because it showed momentum of people actually going out and voting. And the total number, the final number that came out in Israel of those who were eligible to vote and actually voted was 71.3%, which all reports coming out of Israel is that that that's one of the highest numbers. Um, And it also shows to what happens when people get up off their couch, get involved, and walk out the freedoms that they are allowed to have in a country like Israel, and shows what happened when they actually vote. And that speaks to us here in America, is not only do believers need to be registered to vote, number one, but then they need to go out and vote, and vote based upon biblical moral values. And then there would be no question about what's going on. And so, when we see these things occurring we can only ask ourselves at like like we're seeing here with Josiah and Chuck points out is is to ask the Holy Spirit to identify any area where we're not following God's law and not more so not following in in wanting to bring about heaven here on earth as the Lord's prayer disciples prayer calls us to now one thing that's interesting is you're seeing with uh, Lapid and his response, he said some things that I think are quite quite interesting. And I want to point out, I talked about this idea of change, the government of change um, that has been proposed um, with former U.S. presidents and is still continuing to go on in a lot of political circles here today, and it's quite alarming. And I'm going to blow this up a little bit. Because I want to read these comments from the current Prime Minister, Yair Lapid. He said in in statements to his party and talking about, he says, Every Israeli citizen, religious or secular, leftist or rightist, Jewish or Arab, straight or LGBTQ+, should know tonight we will continue to fight for Israel to be a Jewish, democratic, liberal, and progressive state. Sound familiar? Yes, he goes on to talk about, he says, a million Israeli citizens went to the polls and said, I can be both Jewish and Israeli, I can be both nationalist and liberal. A million citizens went to the polls and said they believe in the future uh, and the power of change. He goes on to not really concede. This was early on in the night when he said this. Uh, we need to wait till the full results come out, etc., blah, blah, blah which is fine. There's no, no problem with that. Um, but more and more, the vote has come in, been counted, and so it shows that most likely, unless something just illegal is found out, which doesn't look like it, it's happening, that Netanyahu will be the prime minister. But the idea that a million citizens went to the polls and said they believe in the future and the power of change. What The question is, what change? When politicians say this, the question that needs to be asked and looked at is what change are you talking about? 
Because when you're sitting there talking about how every Israeli Israeli citizen, religious or secular, leftist or right, is Jewish or Arab, straight or LGBTQ+, that tells you they want to be middle of the road. And, and some people are claiming this government to be center-left. You're either right or you're left. Like you're either hot or you're cold. You can't be both. If you're lukewarm, you know the Lord said He'll spit you out of His mouth. And so this idea to appease everybody, and you're seeing this same exact thing happen here in the United States. We're we're no different. We have our own issues. But I point this out in a in a heightened time of elections. So where we can see an example, maybe if we, we look towards another country, we can see the example of what's going on here in our country, is to the reality of getting away from, again, those five foundations that Todd Trahan talks about, of looking at and trying to change the definition of marriage, change the definition, a biological definition of gender. Just on those two things, the right for life, protecting the innocence of the unborn. And so those are the things that they want to change. That's what the reality of what's happening. And more people need to be aware of these things these politicians are saying and remove the blinders from their eyes. Okay. So off of that's great news out of Israel um, and exposing those things. We're also seeing um, some good news is that Russia has agreed more so because they made a deal um, and it's still not fully fleshed out what that deal is, that they will um, renew participation in the Black Sea Grain deal, allowing ships to get out of the port. I think they realize how um, disastrous within the news cycle that would ultimately be, and them being the ones for the cause for really starvation around the world. And so they've allowed for um, ships to come out of port, which would be a good thing. Uh, showing really it was just a bluff of them trying. They, they got something out of it, and, and what that really is, it's it's yet to be determined. We'll probably find that out later today in the next couple of days or a week or so probably um, to see what actually happened. So that's good news there. Um, however that was handled, maybe there's some backdoor deal. At the end of the day right now, um, it looks like a good deal, um, but yet to be determined. And then we're also seeing coming out of, quite interestingly, out of Iran and Russia, this is a quite alarming deal, is that Iran is in the works of sending more drones, weapons to Russia ahead of November. Um, Ukrainian intel is believed that this is occurring. You also have uh, comments uh, being made by the a, a U.S. official in saying that, I want to make sure I get this right, uh, U.S. State Department spokesperson Ned Price uh, said that the Americans would be taking action against Iranian weapons trade to Russia. He, he said, we will continue to vigorously enforce all U.S. sanctions on both the Russian and Iranian arms trade to make it harder for Iran to sell these weapons to Russia and to help the Ukrainians have what they need to defend against these threats. Anyone doing business with Iran that could have any links to its UAV or ballistic missile development or the flow of arms from Iran to Russia should be very careful. Ha ha. Does that even include the United States administration who is, via the Iran nuclear deal, uh, going to allow Iran to give over and more so forcefully give over their nuclear program and their nuclear arsenal to Russia? Does that mean we need to be careful? Is that a warning for us? I think so. 
um, th- the reason I say that is because there's a lot of double statements being made here and this administration needs to take its own advice. They know it's wrong for Iran to give Russia weapons and yet they themselves want to force Russia, Iran and Russia to do the same thing by getting back into the Iran nuclear deal. I, I'm going to point this out because this is the reality of the situation um, and could cause innocent lives within Ukraine to potentially be on even more higher alert than in the season ahead. And then you also have, this is what we want to pray for this administration, is that Iran, because of protests and everything that's going on, because of its own action of the administration within in Iran, they're putting out suggestions and threats to the United States, Saudi Arabia, Israel, the UK, France, really the Western world, anybody else besides Russia and China is really who they're putting on high alert, that there will be response to the protests that are going on within their nation because people within Iran are fed up of what's going on there. And unfortunately, that's the reality that they're left with. And that was the purpose of what President Trump was doing with putting on the sanctions and hopefully getting the Iranian people and more so the Iranian military to try to stand up to the Ayatollahs and and, and force them out of power and allow freedom to come back into the nation and allow a process of debate to come forward. Whether that happens or not is still yet to be determined, but is if these alerts are credible then we want to pray for our administration to have the wisdom and revelation from the Lord of of learning how to handle them, um, but then also of how, with now Netanyahu in office in Israel and a government being established, hopefully within the next week or month, that Israel can be prepared and understand and alongside the United States have a plan to deal with Iran, Russia, and China, and, and even North Korea. So there's some things that have been going on there, but just not enough time to talk about that today. Okay, now on the home front, there is, I, I think it's finally time to talk about this, um, is there's this article from The Atlantic that got put out saying, let's declare a pandemic amnesty. It was written by a quote-unquote uh, economist and from Brown University, Emily Oster, who saying basically we just need to forgive everyone um, for their words and actions over COVID, um, and just we just need to move past it and, and just forget about it. But there's there's two statements within this at the end of this article that are, are quite alarming to me, and. It shows the oxymoronic statements and the hypocritical statements coming out. In one portion of the article, she says that um, talking about what happened, she said it wasn't pleasant, but feelings were high, meaning the back and forth, the debate, was it wasn't very pleasant, but it was just the feelings were high. And she says, I certainly don't need to dissect and rehash that time for the rest of my days, basically. I just want to move past it. I want to go back to quote-unquote normal. You know, you're hearing that a lot. And then at the end of it, she closes with this. This shows the most hypocritical thing 
of this entire argument in saying that the standard saying is that those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. Meaning she doesn't want us to forget history, but she does want us to forget history because it was too hard for her to deal with. And look, there were a lot of tensions that were high. She says, but dwelling on the mistakes of history can lead to a repetitive doom loop as well. What are you talking about? She says, let's acknowledge that we made complicated choices in the face of deep uncertainty and then try to work together and build back and move forward. And what she means by here is getting people back on um, test standards getting higher, um, math scores getting higher, getting children to work with pediatricians and health officials to get back on the um, vaccine regimens that I think parents are now starting to question, as myself as a parent am looking at even further now. Um, and then also dealing with the fact that the issue here around the investigation of the Department of Homeland Security and having a relationship with these companies who were shown to have questionable relationships during the pandemic. And you're seeing now more people come out. And this time, the um, American Federation of Teachers president, Randy Wingarten, who's coming out and saying that, you know, we just we just need to forgive everybody and move on. This idea. And, and the problem is, is number one, are you asking for forgiveness? Or are you forcing forgiveness? And the reality is, is are you willing to forget and take responsibility for your actions of forcing people to be alone, forcing people to do things against their will to some degree, forcing people to do things that without the lack of information, um, and then part of the article talked about how, well, we just, we just went with what information we had at the time, and that there were some who were right, but they were right for the wrong reasons, because they had questions. And you, you consider it disinformation, but yet the reality is is they're valid questions, and people can have those questions and concerns. And um, the, the issue here is that th there is the idea of you know the anointed, those in power, who they can make decisions, but then when the decisions don't go the way that they thought that they would, then, well, we just have to move on, forget, and so be it. You know, but they're the right ones. We should trust them on everything. And the reality is, is I think it's exposing a lot with in this country of the reality of the powers that be and how much power they think they have and the overreach that they've been having. And this is their response. I mean, it's plain and clear. They just they want you to forget it, forgive and move on and, and go back to trusting them and making sure that we believe 100 percent whatever they say. That's that's very um, very challenging to people who lost their jobs, lost their family members, um, weren't able to be with their family members uh, during this time of crisis. Which leads me into this story. I, I say all that to say this: is you have the um, CISA director, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency director, Jane Easterly, who testified before a Homeland Security subcommittee where she was questioned on CISA's role in the relationship between Department of Homeland Security, FBI, the administration, and big tech companies. And they're questioning her, and they're asking her questions because she was the one in the middle of it all. 
And she said that, well, we have no information. We did not censor information. What those companies did was all on their own service. And then also at the same time, within a lot of the things that she says, she said that there are going, in this coming election, she said this. I'm going to pull this up. There are going to be errors. There are going to be glitches. That happens in every election. But that's why there are multiple layers of security, controls, resiliency built into the election, into the system. These things are going to happen. Somebody will forget their key to the polling place. A water pipe will burst. Will burst. These are normal things. They're not nefarious. Hmm. When somebody says something like that, usually you have to uh, take them at their word and understand that what they're saying is very true. These things will happen, but they are nefarious. They're trying to distract you, deceive you into saying, oh, well, this is not going to happen. These things are going to happen, but oh, don't worry. When when nefarious acts happened before, it won't happen again. Trust me, wink, wink. Um, yeah, so... They're telling you again, just like the Secretary of State in Pennsylvania was telling you that there are going to be delays in the voting process because of mail-in balloting. This will take a day, a couple days, maybe a week. It's just, it's part of the process. It's part of the law within Pennsylvania. Now, it's coming out that the, the um, Pennsylvania Supreme Court, after the U.S. Supreme Court, told them that they're, they should not count mail-in ballots that do not follow the actual law within Pennsylvania. And the Secretary of State said, ah, we're going to ignore that. Just go ahead and count them anyways. Then the, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court stepped up and said, no, you cannot accept any undated ballots via mail that are coming in because it's the constitutional law of the land of Pennsylvania for us not to count those. So I'm glad these things are coming out from CISA ahead of saying these things are going to happen. So now that these states around the country, and they tend to be, surprisingly, in blue areas where people forget their keys, water per, uh, pipes burst and all this stuff, to know, hey, <laughs> where there's smoke, there's fire. They're telling you um, where these things possibly might be happening. If there's a close race, there's a possibility of things going one way or the other, that these quote-unquote not nefarious actions are going to occur. Um, I say all this to say is, look, they're warning you ahead of time. And good on Pennsylvania Supreme Court for standing up and saying, no, this is the law of the land. In order to count these votes, as you have to do in Florida and other states where you mail in uh, votes earlier, if there is one thing wrong... That ballot is therefore considered invalid. Date, no date, no signature. Um, things aren't filled out properly. Names don't match on the registry. Addresses, etc. In Florida, they have some of the most stringent laws. I know because I live there and I participated in the early mail-in balloting process before because there were some times I wasn't going to be there on election day. And if it was, didn't follow the letter of the law, it got thrown out. And partly that is because of the Bush v. Gore issues that occurred. They, they had some discrepancies, and, and even after that, they had even more discrepancies. And so they fixed it. Rick Scott did that. And, and now it's the question of they're telling you in Pennsylvania things are, are 
They're going to take a while because of this. And the Supreme Court is saying no. This is a very, very positive thing. This is why we want to pray for these golden court cases. Some that we're making you aware of. Some that you guys may know more about than we do. Is let's continue to pray for those in the season ahead. As these nefarious acts are being foretold to the entire world about what are about to happen. And when they're telling you, oh, don't worry, we can talk to these big tech companies, don't worry, these things are going to happen, you just have to trust that there's redundancies and securities uh, in processes, uh, but you don't need to look into them, you just need to trust that they're happening. Um, that um, Unfortunately, the matter of trust has been blown out of the water. And what's interesting is also pay attention to what's going on in Brazil is the truth is starting to come out on those those issues as well so i want to close with that very very positive day uh, contentious shifting but positive day in a lot of the things that are happening um, in this nation and around the world as we see when people voice their true hearts in this voting cycle when you actually go out and vote and this is why i say polls don't matter right now it's because you have this they're going this way that way but at the end of the day some people are going to be motivated to vote. Some people are not going to be motivated to vote. For those who are registered right now, it's too late if you're not registered, unfortunately. Or more so I say, should, fortunately. To go out and vote and vote based upon biblical moral values. That's why we want to continue to pray for voters to have the strength to vote biblical moral values. So with that, blessings each and every one of you today. Uh, don't forget we have our noon prayer and then our service tonight of worship and prayer for this nation as we continue continue to walk down this final stretch of the midterm so blessings and i will see you guys later have a good one